Welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Deb Aoki, David Brothers, Chip Zdarsky, and myself, Christopher Woodrow Butcher. Follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com. This is it, the almost end of season two of Manga Explaining, a division that ended up being almost entirely arbitrary <laughs> as we <laughs> kept the original show episode numbering anyway. <laughs> welcome welcome to the end of season two more or less there's going to be a wrap-up episode next week who will live who will die no yeah <laughs> <laughs> who will live who will die i think that that's thanks for keeping it superhero we chip thanks for keeping you know yeah, no the, the fans that haven't come here for the superheroes that come for the chip zdarsky <laughs> you're, you're delivering i also want to point out i always love when you host because you always start with hello and welcome to manga's planning you have a very good opening delivery mm. yeah and now that I mentioned it, you'll never do it again. Thank you. I've ruined it. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. That's what true. Do. I can put a nice echo on that on the intro if you want. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Ooh, I yeah, love it. And I can start adding applause sounds after everything I say, oh, hard coded right. into the actual thing. We're back so to the uh, let's Cold not, War. Let's not go. Let's not go crazy, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Let's just keep it, keep it real, keep it normal. It's all good. Fart sounds after everything I say. But thank you. Yep. Appreciate it. I try and. <laughs> You know, I want to I want to match the energy that Ben's intro music brings to the table. Yeah, so that's really that's good. good. <laughs> yeah, we're doing we're doing some Akira. We're doing some Akira. Yeah. As you know, this podcast started. Well, as you may not know, this podcast started exactly one year ago today with Akira Volume One and a zero episode. That honestly, I have to go back and recode to make sure that no one listens to it because it's fun, but it's not it's not what the podcast is. If you know what I mean. Yeah. So Today we're, we're reviewing Akira Three. About halfway through, we reviewed Akira 2. It's the framework. It's the guiding principle of this <laughs> podcast somehow. And it also gives it a definitive end so that everyone wants to peace out after 150 episodes. <laughs> Akira Volume 6 it is. Although I still think we should do Akira Club as well. To talk about the graphic design of Akira. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> graphic design of Akira is so good. We might be lucky. By the time we get to Volume 6, maybe Domu will come out, right? Oh, oh that would be nice. I don't know what you're talking the about. Complete Otomo books are, are starting to come out in Japan. And mm. Domo yeah. is this book that Dark Horse put out a while ago, but Otomo that is very, very out of print. But it's mm. something that if it was in print, I probably would have recommended it instead of Akira because it would give us only one book to read. But yeah, yeah it would have been shorter. Chip would have been in so in love. Chip, direct your direct your rage at having to read six volumes of Akira directly at Kodansha and Katsuhiro Tomo. I was looking at the box, you know, I opened up my box of Akira, and it's like, oh, this is the last of the short ones. The nice. next, the next two oh. are chunky. They're chonkers. Chunky. They're chonkers. Akira Volume Three. We should just introduce this so we can actually get into the episode. Akira Volume Three by Katsuhiro Tomo, published by Kodansha and a host of publishers through the ages. We had a quick pre-show meeting. We're all reading slightly different versions of Akira <laughs> this week. It's very exciting. What do we What do we want to say about Akira at this point? We've We've said everything I think there is to say in an introductory way about Akira for Volumes One and Two. It's a groundbreaking work. It changed the entire industry and influenced you know countless generations of mangaka through the years. It was probably the first really huge manga in north america that and lol from cub sort of vie for the spot even though that wasn't the you know the first being published by marvel and their epic comics division back in the day the movie is still cited as one of the most important anime movies of all time and it's most people's favorite anime movie unless they're 
you know, hardcore weebs, hardcore otaku who have newer favorites, which is sacrilege. It's a whole thing. At its core, it's about, man, I don't know. I'll let someone else sum up what it's about, air quotes. But I will say that Akira Volume 3 is a terrible jumping on point. This is not a good first episode to listen to this podcast, people. We are we are in media res on this one. So please, thank you. Go back and listen to episodes one and two, and then let's get ready for Akira 3. This This edition, I will start off by saying reminds me a lot of akira <laughs> which i don't know if that's if that's a tautology or not but this issue this this volume of akira reminds me of akira it's starts off with the insanity of the last volume sort of coming to a natural denouement we get to a slow every all the pieces moving into position sequence for about 100 pages where all of the characters sort of regroup we find out where they are where their allegiances lie who they are etc cetera, etc cetera. And then, boom. Neo Tokyo explodes. Crazy chase <laughs> sequence kicks off that lasts yeah. 250 yeah. pages before Neo Tokyo explodes. <laughs> so that's Akira Volume 3. I I don't even know what else there is to say. It's going to be a spoiler-filled episode. Does anyone have any thoughts on Akira Volume 3 that they'd like to share? I'm sure. I'm amazed you said this was, there's like 100 pages of setup for like finding your place on this one. Yeah. Because the first chapter is like fallout from the bomb and then the chase scene starts basically like they eat food yeah. and they're off of the races. I felt maybe not 100 pages. Maybe I felt it was like 50. It was like the satellite explosion where Tetsuo loses his arm at the end yeah. of volume two. By, by like page like. Yeah. The satellite explodes at the beginning of volume three. Yeah. By like page 12 or 13, they've already introduced the perfectly designed mechanical spiders. What are they called? The caretakers from this? The yeah. things that yeah, the things that so hunt them good. down, they're 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 a beautiful bit of design, and then then yeah, that's basically that's when the chase begins. So it kicks off pretty quickly. Like the, the chase, ex- I the, the, I, no, but I, but the chase accelerates. Like that's the thing. The chase begins, but because this is such yeah. a good comic, the chase <laughs> accelerates. Like you still check in with people as the chase is kind of happening in bits and pieces, and then it just then it becomes like everyone going mm-hmm. after uh, Akira, like. I'll just kick this off and just say like uh, Akira One was great. Like it was just it it, it kind of blew my mind with the beauty, and the design. Akira Volume Two was very good, but I felt like it just kind of like it dragged and it was a chase. It was just like oh, there's a couple of cool moments here and it's gorgeous, but didn't feel as revolutionary as Volume One. Mm-hmm. This is better than both of those combined. This is maybe my favorite volume of anything I've ever read. Like it is so <laughs> good. It is like maybe some of the, the, this is like the, this is the best comics can be. Is this the first time? Yeah, it really, it really blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is called manga explaining. <laughs> Deb. I don't know anything about manga. No, no, but you've, you, like you've read Uzumaki. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just I kidding. just wasn't sure if this was a, your absolute first. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that, but that's it. Akira, Akira came in, cold like uh, i may have seen the, the movie uh, years ago but it didn't have any kind of impact on me yeah. but this like i don't i can't recall the last time i read a comic where there were several moments where i like i actually gasped <laughs> reading it and yeah, yeah. was just stunned 
and I cheer. Yeah. Like I'm just like and laugh. Like I it 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 hit almost every kind of emotional beat in me that that any kind of work of fiction can 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 hit. It, like it's it's really spectacular. There's a lot of slapstick comedy in this. It's so good. All the stuff with the tanks. Yeah, there there were so many moments in this where I I really did just cheer, and and the fact that they put Tetsuo off the board, and you just know he's coming, mm. and the moment he yeah. does, it's just such a yeah. beautiful, beautiful rendered scene. After after the the destruction too, which is like like I don't think there's anything that can top it. It's funny. I I, I was having conversations about John Romita Jr the other day just to bring it back to superhero stuff because he's doing amazing spider-man again and i i insist that he is the best comic book artist doing wide-scale big destruction like he is so good at like really making you feel the impact of things mm. but but yeah <laughs> he's got nothing on this <laughs> like don Romita <laughs> jr is great but just watching watching the buildings like dominoes and just like collapsing in on on things just the, the the ability to convey scale, as it's just and it's a gradual thing too, which is which is astonishing. Like it's not like it's like oh there's an explosion everything's just destroyed. It's just like oh it just kind of gets worse and worse as it just kind of builds. Really beautiful and like David mentioned the slapstick, like all the stuff with the tank was just hilarious. I I love every single tank scene. I love the part where the, the Kaneda in the tank like runs over old couple's house, yeah. and then like the couple's like, like what the hell? And then yeah. the, the the tank goes rolling away, and the little the little boys in the military go, "That was cool." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh. oh, that was perfect. Like I, I agree with you, but there's great. There's such a beautiful balance of just nonstop action, beautiful kinetic action, and moments of humor. So it's mm. not just like death, destruction, blah. There's like oh. It has these nice little up and down beats. And you think that's very, that's smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pacing of this is wild. Like yeah. Chip was saying, it kind of builds over time. And this volume, like I realized, like oh, this is clearly still boys' adventure because like now there are three new mutants with other mutant powers to contend with. Mm. But also, like, there's tons of factions all of a sudden. But it's still yeah. really easy to follow because everyone wants the same thing. So it's just like a free for all for now. Yeah. You know, we kind of winnow the cast down to the people we'll be following. But this was the volume or the chapters in this volume, several of the chapters were the ones I had when I was a kid mm. in Akira Epic Collection Volume 5. It had like a gray cover. And what struck me the most, like you mentioned things that made you go, wow, like really sit up and cheer. The lights on the car in the color edition, the way they smear across the page. Mm. Like I'd never seen anything like that when I was a kid. Yeah. And yeah. as an adult, like I've still never seen anything like it. Like it's a one of one. No one does it this way. But then there are all these other things like when Kaneda infiltrates Nezu's house and he gets caught by the guy with the shotgun and there's the slow zoom down to show K in the distance outside with the gun about to shoot the guy that's mm. going to kill Kaneda. Oh, I, I flagged mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. There's so many pages that I've thought about like weekly for the past 20, 25 <laughs> years. That scene that you just described, one thing I really loved about that was how it shows the, how the shot goes through that guy's head, how, how mm-hmm. he gets shot. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the aftermath, he falls back and then his head goes bonkity bonk bonk uh, down the stairs. Yeah. I thought, 
um, what an amazing little detail. Yeah. What an amazing little bit of, of visual storytelling because normally like you shoot someone, they just fall down and they lie down on the on the ground. Mm-hmm. Or if, if if they was on stairs or the ah, you know, body on the stairs. This one shows this this, you know, boom, he you can feel this impact and then bunk 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 bunk. It's like, oh so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so smart. <laughs> yeah. I always think uh, of I can't help but think of Frank Miller in relation to this because I got the big fat kill and Akira from my uncle. Like, I don't know if it was the same day. It was like the same summer or something. So their drawings Mm -hmm. are very tied in my head for things that I've studied for a long time. And I think one thing they have in common is that both artists excel at drawing bodies in motion. Like Frank Miller drawing people jumping over New York city, like greatest drawings of all time, you know? And in this, even in the page where the tank fires down the narrow hallway, and Chiyoko and Kay kind of bounce off the ground in the midst of the shot. Like, it's just <laughs> mm. perfectly pitched. There's so many different things where you're like, this looks exactly like it needs to look. Yeah. And Chiyoko alone, like, I would read anything about her. Oh, my her God. Chiyoko. The guy through the lifeboat. Like, I, that yes. was I, Yeah, oh, yeah. That I, was I, so I flagged that, that too. That was genius. <laughs> like, yeah, that whole scene is I just like. Too. That was genius. <laughs> you know, I, I, I struggle a lot writing the superhero comics. Like, you know, if I have a fight in the street again, I'm just like, well, what are they going to use in the street that I haven't used a million times? Like, oh, they're going to hit someone with a car? Like, oh, like a light post? And so the fact that Otomo, like, finds so many great ways to utilize environments to create kind of uh, Mm -hmm. interesting new fight scenes that I haven't witnessed before. Even just like, because on that same page, when she yeah. punches a guy through the lifeboat, it also has a Kaneda like throwing up on the guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good. It's so good. I actually really, really like this, this volume as well. And it moves so quickly. And it's so, can you imagine, can you imagine having read this during serialization? <gasps> 20 page chapters. Just like 20 random pages of this clear graphic novel. And you're like, that's it for this month? Are you serious? That's what happened? <laughs> that would be Amazing. that would be fine. Like, that's the thing. Like, there's so much that happens in those pages. And there's so many things that you could read and reread and reread. Like, I don't know. Like, a, a superhero comic's like, I don't know. What happens in an issue of a superhero comic? Like, they encounter somebody. They have a fight. Like, the depth is different. Yeah. Yeah, whereas yeah. this, it's just like there's 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 progression, but there's just such beauty and so many details that you could like. I'm sure as a kid, David, like you read and reread these issues over and over again. Like you weren't like, "What? That's it?" Yeah, it's funny as an adult <laughs> <laughs> because like the lights alone, it's almost like how do you make a drawing look like it's moving? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's how that yeah. feels. Like that's the perfect expression of that moment. The yeah. stuff with Nezu. So Nezu means mouse in Japanese. Yes. So it's sort of oh. like a Benedict Arnold character named like Snitch or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> There's a Nezumi character in Gegege no Kitaro, and it's yeah, the yeah. same type of archetype, right? The guy who vaguely looks like a mouse or a ferret, which is inherently untrustworthy. Yeah, and it's no. funny to see that type of broad central casting archetype in what we usually talk about as being a very serious studied graphic novel you know Mm -hmm. but it's also the comic where someone throws up on a guy to win a fight yeah (laughs) i was thinking like what was interesting about this was kaneda kaneda like he's he's 
a lot of the comic relief in this volume. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, like sucks. he's he's there to kind of like go. You know, he's he's there to throw up on somebody, or he like he's there to go. He's gonna he's there to jump into a tank and go. It's like a video game, right? <laughs> or you know, like or he's. But at the same time, there's moments when he re- he reminds you that he's smart and brave and resourceful enough to mm-hmm. be the protagonist. Like that moment when he encounters Sakaki, he figures out her attack pattern and goes, "That's not going to work on me anymore." You know? Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. That's great. I, I like that because it was like. There, you, you you could easily think of Kaneda as the fall guy, right? Or the 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 guy who was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, but just somehow, you know, rises to the occasion. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he reminds you, this book gives you a little bit of both, right? One is that he's an every guy. But two, he is uniquely qualified to meet the challenges that are being thrown at him. Yeah. Yeah. They really needed a delinquent at the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so him infiltrating Nezu's house is super good because you wouldn't think, like, he does it so stealthily and cleanly that it's almost like a stealth mission, you know? Mm. When before he's yeah. just been like a wrecking ball character. He's a guy who goes out <laughs> and yeah. just things just happen to explode when, you know, he's out and about. But here he does, he does it perfectly. Like, he rescues Akira until the very end. And there are so many good shots. Another reason why I love this and have since I was a kid is there's beautiful shots of the city. Mm-hmm. And like multiple mm-hmm. beautiful shots of the city. Yeah. And I love that type of drawing. Like all the stuff with the tank when they first get the tank and you see the explosion from far away after he first fires. Yeah. Everyone's like, holy crap, no one gave the order to attack. And it's just no, <laughs> yeah. Kaneda's an idiot. Is what's going on here. <laughs> I want to I will say I really liked the sitting drawings in this, like way more i actually really love that sequence in volume two where they're descending into the sort of military base and the pit mm-hmm. and the sort of future tech the floating cars and stuff yeah that's actually super cool but being in the city and being in this space that feels really lived in in addition to being beautifully drawn i'm super on board for yeah this this volume made tokyo look magical in a real way you know before they blew it up <laughs> i want to say something a little bit about page 240 when the things are starting to explode when after the boy gets shot, that the, mm. that you see this interspersed of everyday normal life in Tokyo, interspersed with yeah. this sense of like shit's gonna happen, and mm. I think things are things are gonna start getting destroyed. But like, so you get the sense of like there are ordinary Tokyo people who are just going about their day, and then uh, completely unaware that their city's gonna be destroyed within milliseconds around them. It reminded me of like stories like about Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you know, people woke up Hiroshima one morning, thinking it was going to be an ordinary day, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. Yeah, so I, I, I thought that was really poignant because rather than just showing pure destruction, he was kind of showing you when it happened, how suddenly it happened, and who it's affecting. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really smart. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, it's it's where the series, it's where the this volume slows down too, right? It's like this. Like this, this whole volume is about speeding up and speeding up, and Akira getting passed back and forth between different factions, quicker and quicker. He's with people less and less time, right? And then finally, when he's awakened, everything slows down to a near stop, just to like really take stock of everything that was happening and everything that's going to happen. It's a it's a really interesting filmic technique before everything speeds back up again and we get to the end of the book. Yeah. It's like the thing that David just mentioned, where it's like a camera trick, where it's like you're focusing on 
Kaneda, and then the focus, like the the focus changes, even though the panel changes the same, and you're focusing on K behind him. It's it's an animation technique, and that kind of stuff, frankly, wasn't used in comics very much in the 1980s. Yeah, it's it's not things that he invented. It's 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 filmic techniques, but it's definitely stuff that he transplanted. Uh, Tomo transplanted into this medium, and it works so well, like so so well. Just in terms of like how he draws architecture and stuff. There's a scene early on. I, I don't have the page number because my edition doesn't have that, but it's where K comes up through the manhole cover underneath that car. <gasps> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that oh, so that's good. good. <laughs> so the, the, the first panel is a quiet shot of the car in the street and then just some really basic kind of city stuff above. It's It's super well drawn, obviously, but what makes it really unique and makes it feel a bit more lived in and organic is that Otomo just slightly shifts the camera angle just a little bit. So the vertical lines don't line up with the, mm. the, the panel borders. Cause that's a, that's a lot of the problem sometimes when you're dealing with comics and you're drawing kind of architecture, especially when you're just drawing like one point perspective or even just two point perspective. If, if you have the three point where you have things just bring the vanishing point high and low, Stuart Eminem is really good at that. That, that actually creates a bit of contrast with your panel borders. But for the most part, when people draw these scenes, they just draw them kind of running parallel to the panel borders, which is like pretty boring. It makes it feel very mm-hmm. static and almost artificial. But just that decision, just to be like, oh, everything, everything just leans just slightly, just like a degree or two off to the side, is such a beautiful technique that I'm absolutely going to steal yeah. it. You know, there's Dutch angles. Which is like a guy like Jim Jim Apero yeah. used a lot on Batman, and obviously the Batman TV show used a yeah. lot of, which can be kind of silly because they're usually pretty extreme. But this is like that, but just just subtle enough to to make it feel lived in. Which is yeah, again, just like a simple panel, like, but just it, it elevates it so much. Mm. Yeah. That's uh, page 18 in the Dark Horse edition. I'm not sure what it is in the Kodansha edition, but yeah, it is. There's oh, some. Yes, mm, yes. We oh, joked, yeah. David joked before we started that he could just talk about his favorite panels. And this, <laughs> that would be this this week's episode. Yeah. We just, and it's like, oh no, let's all talk about our favorite yeah. panels. Let's make that this week's episode. I Building wild. on Chip's point about that being a great panel, two pages later is Kaneda's entrance into the same scene. And he puts his head on the car coming out. Of yeah. The <laughs> and that's that same balance between like incredible artistry and seriousness. And then also like the humor to kind of bring it back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because what they're coming, what they're ascending into is the beginning of martial law and a coup d'etat. Like there's riots right. in the streets, there's cops everywhere. The military just introduced autonomous drone tanks to keep people in line. Which is mm. sort of like those robot dogs from Boston Dynamics, I think. Can I? Can I? It's funny. I don't know. Like I didn't yeah, even know it. I was ripping off Akira, but the event I'm doing for Marvel, I have like Doctor Octopus release these like Octobots, which are just tiny versions of these things, and I'm just like, ah, <laughs> oh, damn it! I'm ripping Akira off, and I didn't even know the 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 page yeah. the page where Kaneda comes up, and then we first see the spider bot. The next page. Of like the council meeting or whatever, like the the the, the public council meeting, the shape of that mm-hmm. looks so much like the spider bot from the page before. Like it just has the exact same feel. Mm. That like that cannot That's be. 
that cannot be coincidence. Like that has to be just like, it's a beautifully designed space, but the fact that it resembles very spidery elements, uh, is just, again, it's just next level. And then the page after that has just that stunning staircase panel of the general just walking down that massive staircase. And was like, Oh, well, the use of space in this is just the scale on that is absurd. It's so great. It's it's the one thing. It's the one thing I always have problems with with Marvel artists. <laughs> I'm not. I don't mean to like crap on Marvel <laughs> artists right now, but getting them to think about the space instead of just doing their hero shot and like you know most Marvel artists would just be a close up of the general walking down because it's easier to draw and also just like yeah no it's a cool mm-hmm. shot of the general but this is cool. Like Pepe Larraz, who does X-Men for Marvel, is yeah. really mm-hmm. good at this kind of thing. He understands layout and space and how to place characters in environments and how to design environments. He's like the he's like the Otomo successor uh, at Marvel, if there was one. Anyways, yeah, sorry. I could, I could go on. Like, like, David, I could go on about every panel of this. Building on the space front, like the actual architecture, like the establishing shots and things. During the bit towards the end when like the tanks are going wild and they're trying to get Akira back, right before the scene with they when the kid pulls all the bricks off the wall, mm. there's a trick that Otomo uses a lot where he'll show someone, cut to someone else, and then cut back to those people in the first panel getting shot. Sort of like a hard cause and effect. Yeah. And I realize he does this like frequently throughout the throughout the series. And it really works because it, is that, it makes what you're about to see much more real. It's not just like Spider-Man shooting a web off panel, and then you see a guy who's webbed up. You see yeah. a guy running, and then Spider-Man shoots, and then he's webbed, you know? Yeah. And it's so pleasant to see. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Even the psychic battle, which are usually nonsense, you know, they, they feel good. Like, there's push and pull. There's cause and effect. Man, it's so good. I'm looking at, like, page 198, and there's a lot of panels on there, but you know, like how I complained about Nausicaa, like there's a lot of panels and it's so hard to figure out where things are going. I can, f- mm. I can still follow the action. Yeah. Oh, is that the scene with the smoke in the tank? Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's no lazy choices of angles here. Like in the 99, there's an, uh, there's an above establishing shot where you see the, the dumpster and then the close up with the gun. And then he opens up the dumpster and then there's Akira in the dumpster, like just, there's no lazy choices on how he's composing these panels. Yeah. It's really fascinating. And a lot of this shows up in the movie as well. This is sort of where the book breaks from the movie. I would say it breaks are, a lot from the movie. But there are like little <laughs> elements that keep coming back that show up still in the film. Like uh, the, the joke in the smoke where she's holding the wrong guy's hand. Like that's in the movie. Mm, it's yeah. great. <laughs> There's yeah. stuff with Canada that's not in this volume, but is established in the next one. It happens in the film, even though it came long after this. So it's interesting as like a perfected, not perfected, as one version of the story, then the film's another version. But they intersect in so many different ways that it's not like a one-to-one translation. Mm. One thing that volume three points out that the other two volumes didn't really didn't really make as apparent was how much the, the anime version really gave short shrift to the female characters. Yeah. Like, Chiyoko, yeah, Chiyoko is fabulous in this volume like she's yeah. got an apron on and like here comes some invaders in the house she's got a gatlin gun boom i just happen to have one in back of the the, the, the dusters and like, the, i and hope the this works yeah <laughs> she does all kinds of stuff, like you know 
like, get out of my way, dumbass. Like, you know, she's like, she's, she takes, she is ready for action. Like if there's anyone ready for the martial law, post-apocalyptic world, I'd like to have her on my side. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she's so interesting, but you know, she's given such short shrift in the anime and same thing with Lady Miyako and those three yeah. girls, like they're not even in the anime. Mozu, Sakaki, and Miki, not even in mm-hmm. the anime. So oh, yeah. like, there's one thing, and even like Lady Miyako is basically treated like an old man in the anime. Yeah, she, their first dubbing, I think they actually gave her a male dub actor because they didn't know who the character was, yeah. which was interesting. And beyond that, she's treated like a joke, like she's part of this cult of Akira. Except in the comics, she's training psychic assassins. Like she's part of <laughs> she's part of a cult, but they're hugely powerful training. Yeah psychic assassins like she's a huge player not only here but in the last half like the next couple volumes lady miyako is running a huge part of the show so yeah i think like but even nezu who's like this little rat in this that causes bad things no spoilers (laughs) yeah is given real short shrift in the anime and is like almost a sympathetic character in the anime as someone who's like you know, maybe self-invested, but like trying to like scramble things together and save, you know, from what, what he knows is coming down to in this, he's just like reprehensible in such a good, you're rooting against him kind of a way. He's like Lee Harvey Oswald, man. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I think that was true until you get to the part in the anime where he's like stuffing bills and money into suitcases. Yes. Yes. Mm. Like the conflict between he's already going to die. Yeah. We've all been there though. Stuffing bills in the suitcases. Sometimes you have to leave town really quickly before a small child uses his telekinetic powers to destroy the, the city. Exactly. Man. We've all been there. I'm trying to think of something else that I liked a lot from this that I haven't talked about frequently. Mm. Oh, so the color editions. So like, this is my favorite comic. I'll just say that it's my favorite, even though I have yeah. a lot of favorites. I switched from black and white to color partway through because this is the one I read when I was a kid. So I wanted to kind of get that vibe again and there are some moments like when takashi is shot that are kind of just all black and white in the kodansha edition they just have spot Mm. color in the marvel edition which is kind of cool Mm. and i didn't know that i love that every version of this comic that i have is like differently beautiful you know like you're talking about how the translations are slightly different on during the pre-show the reproduction is definitely different across the different volumes it's it really speaks to the level of craft that each successive version it doesn't improve on it but it doesn't break it either you know mm. Mm. like if you can see this is the color version of that scene where he's yeah. falling oh. oh it's gorgeous oh, wow yeah that's really striking yeah, yeah steve olaf is a beast yeah it's amazing it is shocking that that color version is not in print in English. <laughs> I just keep seeing other countries that still have it in print in color and they can just go to the store and buy it. And it's hurts my heart. Yeah. If only heart, someone had a manga publisher that specialized in obscure <laughs> works. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll email Ben right now, Dev and I, Hey, so you guys aren't doing color Akira for some reason. Can, Why don't you let us do it? Can you imagine? Cool, right? Can you imagine? <laughs> like it, uh, yeah but so i does this volume feel political huh? at all does this volume feel political to you like is there commentary yes. okay yeah that was a firm yes firm yes in exactly the shin godzilla way actually okay the like japanese bureaucracy mm. different organizations using a crisis to try and 
move up within the ranks because they all assume that there's going to be something afterwards and that they want to be king shit of Buff Mountain. <laughs> bleep that one. <laughs> king bleep <laughs> of Bleep done, Mountain. Right? They want to be in charge of... <laughs> you could have said king of the mountain, but it's all garbage to have the Akira reference. But you oh. whiffed it. Oh, there you go. That's You're spoiling future volumes. Yeah, they all think that they're going to win, right? Yeah. And that's that's the whole point about this is that there's like you're following all these different paths, all these different threads, all these different factions. And it's the ones that are like, if this, if this happens, there's nothing left. And you, it all of a sudden nothing starts at like the, the nothing left starts coming true. And you're like, Oh, I actually should have been on team lady Miyako actually, because <laughs> as a, you know, as having psychic foresight, she had the best idea, but what was to come. So that's, yeah, this feels deeply political. It feels not only deeply political, but like, very contemporarily relevant in a way that kind of made me sad like yeah. super sad actually reading this book it's like oh look people taking advantage of a crisis for personal and political gain cool 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 cool, cool who, who cool, could cool, imagine cool, 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 cool. <laughs> there's also this the i mean i don't know it's so hard to write anything nowadays like the government lying to the people the military lying to the government yeah. like it's you know, the limitations of personal freedoms, like, you know, here in Canada, we've got these like truck convoys right now who are just like protesting their, you know, their quote unquote freedoms being restricted. And I'm just like, Oh, like normally I love comics that are all about like, don't trust the government. <laughs> but but now we're in a world where I'm just yeah. like, please just trust your government. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's a total AstroTurf operation. It's yeah. Been, like linked, right. It's been linked back to like, one or two fake Facebook groups. Oh, for sure. But like, yeah, yeah. but Sorry, it's, it's, it's gross. It's a, but, but also, but also it's like, it's, it's part of the citizenry who just like, they never have trusted government. And now they've got a real good reason. They think to come out about it. Like I, so uh, this is just a <laughs> dumb personal story. I, I'm learning to drive <laughs> and I've come out to British Columbia and it's been a long time since I've, I've driven while I was in Ontario. I didn't drive. So while out here, I'm like, well, I got to do a big four-hour drive to get to where we're staying. So I had my my wife's stepfather take me out for a drive, and a very difficult drive on a thing called the Malahat here, which is like kind of in a mountain. And so my first drive is like a really stressful drive, and all of a sudden I'm just like, what's ahead of me? Is it like a, a bunch of vehicles with like their their blinkers on their four ways? I'm just like, oh my god! Like, what's going on? Is there an accident? What's going on? Then I realize I'm in the middle of a trucker convoy. I am a, I am the convoy. <laughs> I'm just Whoa. like, I'm just like. But the thing is, like, so I'm, I'm like, we're we're trapped in this thing, and also because I just flew in, like, we're both wearing masks in the car with like the windows cracked. So like, <laughs> my my father-in-law's worried we're gonna get the hell beat out of us if any of these truckers see that we're masked as part of their convoy they're like commit you can't have it both ways i know but like we couldn't pull off like because it's just one long road through this mountain and the one thing i noticed when we would kind of we would pass people with their signs like cheering us on (laughs) cheering us on and i'm just like oh man like (laughs) like these are people like you know it can be financed by like some crazy russian bitcoin dude or whatever or like people with other agendas or but like there's a lot of people out here that just mistrust their government. And I'm like, yeah, I get that part. Like, like I love stories that hinge on 
you know, don't trust the government, like Captain America, like giving up his his costume and shield because the government wants to control him. Like, like so many of our stories are based on that. And it's really hard to like read a thing like this in a way or write a thing and, and have to and have to kind of change that narrative a bit because people have co-opted it for horrible things. Yeah, the something I really appreciate about this book that I completely went over my head as a kid is that it. Part of it comes out of the Japanese New Left, the student protests in the late 60s. Oh, okay. Because just like in France, you know, when students were wrecking shop in the 60s, the same thing was going on in Japan. Hmm. A lot of socialist students, you know, general social action. And you can see it in the people that are rioting in this one. They all kind of, they're dressed similarly, very plainly, very basically. Some kind of look like young professionals. And I think we talked about like the biker gang influence on Akira in a previous episode, how Canada was sort of like the dregs of society at the time this came out. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to see Otomo pulling in all these other aspects as well. Like the nationalism mm-hmm. is a whole thing in Japan in a way that it's expressed in a way that it isn't necessarily here in you know the U S and Canada. And it's, I don't know, it's almost, it's not a history lesson. That's the wrong word, but he's pulling from enough real life things that it feels very full as a world. Yeah. It's a snapshot of the time it was created. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. snapshot. That is a great word. And unfortunately, it just feels like the time they were reading it as well. (laughs) Well, that's what makes it really fun to read, even, you know, 20, 30 years after it was published, right? Isn't this like like a 30th anniversary year for Akira? 35th 35th. anniversary Mm -hmm. edition. Oh, wait, no. So this is going to be maybe a 40th anniversary. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I think this previous edition was the 35th anniversary. Yeah. How is this 40 years old? That's the Otomo <laughs> complete collection, right? That he's yeah. starting to yeah. put out. Like he's starting to, Kodansha's starting to put out a complete editions of all his past work. And it's kind of out of order because like, I think the first one they're putting out is Domo, which is like volume eight of this series. Honestly, mm. it's like the most accessible Otomo work. Like, yeah. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's it's kind of happening on its own time. I'm I'm yeah. looking forward, and I haven't heard word about the the Akira re- anime reboot, where they're going to retell the whole story as anime episodes, like mm. we, in a way that the movie couldn't. So I'm really looking forward mm. to that. But I haven't heard a peep about that since 2019. What? What's weird is I love Akira, but I don't think I want that. Really? Why not? Yeah, because I think that every time I read or watch what we have, I still get something more out of it. Uh, and I feel like going back to the well, like there's always like a certain kind of mad, like there's like skill and magic that goes into creating a thing. Uh, like skill is the execution. Magic is like the right place, right time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the right place, right time for Akira was when it came out originally. Oh, and really? now we would just be comparing it to the thing we've all loved for the past 40 years. Mm-hmm. And it's like Cowboy Bebop. Like that sucks. Like that's not, that's an, an unfair barrier to put in front of a piece of art, I feel. But he's going to direct it, right? And so, but yeah. I, I also kind of feel like you could go both ways, right? Like the reboot of the first reboot of Sailor Moon, kind of not, not great. Mm-hmm. The second one, kind of course corrected a little bit. But you know, when you reboot something, you can either do it, you have a second chance, or you do it, yeah. you can mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would, I would never fault a creator for going back. Yeah, I mean, the original still is going to exist, right? Like, yeah. in almost every case, the original's still there. Like even if the new piece of art comes out and it flops or it succeeds, it succeeds so well that it becomes the new favorite version of that story. 
the original is still going to be on my shelf, you know, unless I move to British Columbia and forget my books. <laughs> so that doesn't really bother me that they're going to redo this work or they're going to, you know, whatever, because the original is still there. Yeah. If they're going to try and overwrite the original and you get into like a Star Wars situation. It kind of stresses me out a little bit more. But yeah, I don't really mind. What's funny is I don't mind Star Wars at all because it's still new. But I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't mind it existing. But Chip, go for it. You had something you wanted to say. Well, yeah. something something based on what Chris just said is, yeah, I've heard that before. But oh, the original still exists, and I, I believe that until I went to the theater to uh, see the Watchmen Zack Snyder movie. Because after I heard those lines said <laughs> out loud, I could not read the book again without hearing hearing that and being like, oh. Oh, this is bad. Like, like there's dialogue that was meant for comics. It wasn't meant for live action, and 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 one can really, I think, affect the other. But that was on me for going to the theater to see Zack Snyder's Watchmen. Like, I think, I think, uh, if a Tomo, <laughs> if a Tomo or any other creator wants to revisit their work, like, great. I probably will not check it out for the most part. I get excited when, like, you know, a favorite comedian or whatever, you know, is going to go back to a thing, or a favorite comic creator is going to try something. But yeah, it's a real case-by-case basis. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me, I still need to watch Coming to America too. Which I <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's less like overriding the original and more... Like for me, personally, it feels set up for failure in a way. Failure is a strong yeah. word. But it's set up to be compared to something that like you honestly can't compare anything to because it's wrapped up in you know being 13 years old. Yeah. Again. But I would like to see yeah. how he would pull it off. It would be a very interesting project. I yeah. would. I, one thing I maybe I'm a little bit hesitant about an Akira reboot is that, like, there's been a lot of advances in animation since mm-hmm. the original Akira was created. But I think there's a lot of charm in how a lot of the original Akira was hand painted, mm-hmm. uh, the backgrounds and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and the action was hand painted and hand drawn, and it's, it has this organicness that sometimes CGI assisted anime doesn't have. I think CGI assisted anime has come a long way. It's a lot less stiff than it used to be, but yeah. like you know, like Drifting Dragons, for example, which is a manga I love, just looks completely stiff and yeah. and it loses the charm of the original manga. So I I hope I know Otomo is a perfectionist, which is probably why it's <laughs> taking effing forever for any updates about this and the other project he announced in 2019 Orbital Era. Mm-hmm. But mm. we'll see, right? Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. How old is he? He's he's in his late fifties, maybe. Yeah, that's it. We have time. I'm wow. impressed. All right. Yeah, he's sixty-seven. He's sixty. Sixty-seven. Yeah, he still looks real good for his age, though. Yeah, the Asian aging mystique. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Regarding like the animation thing, something I found watching you know all this old robot anime is there's definitely like a tactile aspect to animation that's been kind of lost with modern stuff. Like especially yeah. in terms of people touching each other. Like it's one of the mm. hardest thing to I don't know, it's maybe it's not one of the hardest, but it seems difficult to do in CG because the characters yeah. just kind of uh clash. They uh, there's a word for it, I can't remember it right now. But they pass through each other and look pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But if you look at old stuff, like characters are touching each other and walls and like eating stuff all the time. And it's because you, you can make those drawings very easily, very simply. And mm. Akira, like even just the way the smoke billows out around the tank is beautiful. And it's hand drawn. Like it must have been so expensive to do at the time. Yeah. Isn't there a point where like where Otomo was both drawing Akira and at directing the anime? 
Yeah, yeah I think the, the storyboards was on hiatus for a little bit. Did you see the, the Did you see the newspaper pages at the back? There's a Japanese version of the newspaper pages, and there's an English version. And on the English version, it says it has a picture, small picture of Otomo, and it says work on Akira Volume Four begins. Manga artist Katsuhiro Otomo, shortly after submitting the final Valley's version of Volume Three of Akira, announced his intent to commence work on the fourth collected volume. Despite his reputation as a summer artist, Otomo <laughs> expressed a desire to have the book out as early as the spring. Reach for comment, the editors of Young Magazine indicated that they would monitor the situation with skeptical optimism. <laughs> editors are the same no matter what country you live in. Yeah, yeah, no matter what era, country. <laughs> Amazing. But so, Chip, is there anything that you would want to steal from this for your own work? Like, aside from, like, the, the slightly canted buildings, like, what made you the most jealous? The t- just the talent. Like, it's... <laughs> like, I could spend, like, a, a month and not be able to draw one of these panels. Like, and, but, I, but I feel like almost every North American artist, and frankly, uh, a Japanese artist, feels the same way. Like, this is above and beyond anything yeah. that anyone has ever produced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... It's really something. One th- one thing I wanted to point out too, and maybe it's because he passed away recently, but Masuru in this is that how you pronounce the name? Mm-hmm. Uh, looks uh, exactly like Louis yeah. Anderson to me. <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> like I don't know. I don't know if my video's still on. Oh man! Wow! Like come on! Oh! Oh! Yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Like, uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> like if there was uh, that in the show notes, folks. Like, I mean, with the, I know there's always talk of the live action Akira, and like it's a shame he passed away because I would just kind of like <laughs> sh- shrink him down and, and make him Masuru. That'd be a ah, oh, so good. <laughs> and that actually reminds me of something sad that happened. Oh, in this book. <laughs> oh. Oh my god. When Takashi, when he finds Akira, and he's like, "Oh, hey, like Akira, like you remember, like." Okay, and Masaru and blah blah blah. You haven't changed at all. We're all old, and that's weird, but that's fine. Yeah. And then he gets shot. Uh, like it was such effective storytelling. Oh uh, yeah. Because the general hears like a creak of a foot in a building like fifty feet. He, there's no way he could have actually heard it. Yeah. You know, it's like the anime six sense thing. Yeah. But the storytelling is just on point. Uh, yeah. Like you see the gunshot and the impact at the same time. Then you see the slow motion fall. And then pointing towards the window, like the MLK picture. Yeah. Shot oh came from there. Oh, yeah. Oh. Holy crap. Oh my god. And then, then, and then, <laughs> and then it's just, it it goes from these soft, quiet moments to these second millisecond by millisecond reactions. Yeah. Oh, those it's silent reaction panels are so yeah. good. Yeah. Like the the one on page two thirty six where his his it's throbbing like there's a double exposure of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a purse mm-hmm. with that. Amazing. <laughs> oh. I that never get so to cool. use it, but I, I wanted it. <laughs> I wanted it so bad. Yeah, the we're just saying random things about Akira at this point. But I think <laughs> yeah. it's okay. It's true. It's nice. Something else I picked up, you know, having grown up and absorbed a lot more since I first read this, is that there's whenever you have like special characters in anime, sometimes there's a mass production version as well. So like in Gundam, there's like, you know, the super robot that's really powerful. And then there's like the one that like regular guys get. Yeah. And I realized that 
Mickey, Mozu, and Sakaki are like the mass production version of Akira. They have similar powers, but they aren't as powerful. Yeah. You know? I read them as the natural version. Like, humanity is is bending towards getting these powers to like leveling up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Akira is step 10, they're step two. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other psychic kids, the ones that the military have controlled, they, the military has obviously been artificially mm-hmm. pumping them up and expanding their powers, which is why they get burned out, which is why they look so old and frail, Yeah, even though they're still sort of children. And I think that that's kind of fascinating. Like, it's the idea that there is another way forward, and it sort of subtly reinforces that Lady Miyako and what she's thinking is maybe, even though it's dressed up in this, like, kind of scary, you know, mysticism and whatever whatever might actually be the way forward because here's a bunch of kids that have psychic powers that aren't turning into creepy old person (laughs) versions of themselves so that's pretty good yeah it's almost like the newsboy legion is how i felt about them (laughs) where (laughs) they aren't very important but i got a lot out of their short appearance yeah yeah Mm -hmm. like mozu in the baseball cap with the bricks is another great scene like that's like such a uh gene gray moment yeah you know yeah oh yeah yeah that was good Last thing I wanted to mention personally about this episode is is Akira Volume 3 has that sequence at the end that we've already sort of alluded to and talked about where basically Akira explodes. It's the it's the creates that iconic image of the explosion in downtown Neo Tokyo, the sort of black nuclear explosion situation. And then we spend like a whole chapter, actually a chapter and a half in the original serialization of buildings falling down. Yeah. And one of the things I didn't realize until I actually got the box set and could finally spend time with Akira Club, because I could never afford it at the time. I could never afford the (laughs) Akira Club book, which is like the art book that comes out afterwards. I could only sort of afford discount versions of the trades. Looking at the Akira Club book, thanks again, Kodansha, for for the comp on that. There's a whole section at the end that explains that between the original serialization of that sequence and the graphic novel edition, he rearranged the pages of how the explosion happens and how Neo Tokyo collapses. And I think he even maybe inserted a page or two. It's in Akira Club. It's in Akira Club. It's in the section at the back, sort of, or the mat pages. And it's page. Of course, there's no page numbers here, but I'll hold it up to the camera and we'll put it in the show notes. But it's this page here at the very back of Akira Club. And it has side by side and thumbnail version the complete explosion version on the left side is how it appeared in the original serialization. And on the right, it's how he reworked it for the graphic novel editions. And it's like, it's, it, it it kind of blows my mind. Like not just that he drew this thing that was unlike anything that ever come before it. And maybe since frankly, in terms of like detail and depth and showing destruction on this scale, but also looked at it and said, I don't think that's right. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I'm going to rework this and figure out a make it, way to make it work better. And in the end, he goes, I had a lot of images that were swirling around in my head for this scene of mass destruction. There have been works like Violence Jack by Gona Guy that portray post-apocalyptic worlds, but I don't think that there had been anything that showed the apocalypse right in the middle of the story. That was something I wanted to make happen in Akira. However, during the serialization, there was very little time to spare for me to find a structure I could settle on. Further, when it went to paperback, the title pages from the magazine run were removed, and it sent the pages totally out of whack. When I lined them up in order, there were cases where some of the two-page spreads came out straddling both sides of a single page, which made re-editing necessary. 
Also, when I reconsidered the moment of the explosion and the reactions of the people in the scene, I decided to go with the arrangement on the left where you're making a, a movie. You film multiple shots of the same scene and then edit them. But I don't think that's where the answer lies. In that case, everything is entrusted to the sensibilities of the people doing the editing. In manga, before you start working, all of these images swell up in your head. But as you actually start drawing them out, you get the feeling that they are with withering away one by one. You feel that these tight, these little disappointments like, boy, I didn't expect it to turn out like this, but this is the only way a manga artist can keep moving forward. Wow. One of the greatest sequences in all of manga, as far as most <laughs> illustrators are concerned. Amazing. Every time he laid down one of those lines, he's like, I can feel the idea of what I had withering away as I put it into concrete form on the page. Good, good. And it's not what I wanted. So yeah, man, Akira, it's a whole thing. That's my that's my final thought for this episode. Anybody else want to jump in? It's a whole thing. Uh, we didn't talk. My final thought. My final thought <laughs> is that we didn't talk much about the Colonel in this one, oh. but he's going to quickly become one of my favorite characters in the series. He's already one of my favorites, but like the changes he goes through in this volume and the choices he makes like really worked for me in terms of types of characters that I like. Mm, you piqued my interest. Mm, so this is like the tough he- old guy plus the tough auntie. So win-win. <laughs> Do they get together in the end? It felt like he was just between between pieces. I wish. They do not. <laughs> oh, okay. I will yeah. spoil that for the readers. They don't, and it sucks. <laughs> I'm sure there's a boys love doujinshi somewhere out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to know, but yeah. You do want to know. <laughs> oh, God, no. I have the I have the boys love doujinshi of Jesus and Buddha from St. Young. Oh, wow. from- it makes me cringe. <laughs> I have the... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The slam dunk doujinshi where they're like in Gone with the Wind as oh, Red that's... and Scarlet. I'll have to give that to you, David, because it is. No, thank you. It's, a, it's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, I'm digressing. We're going to get to voice love in a couple weeks. All right. Chip, yeah. how about you? <laughs> this is the best thing I've ever read. So that's my final thought. Wow. Kodansha really <laughs> bought you with the <laughs> <box>, okay? Yep. <laughs> if they, if, if they really want to buy you, they got to say you Art of Wall, which I just pre-ordered, by the way. <laughs> if they really want to buy me, they'll print color versions of these. What is Art of Wall? That's the book I edited. Yeah. Akira yeah. Art of Wall is that big that oh, giant Oh, the posters book. from Shibuya. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just got my little, I got a little bonus at work, like the, like the end of your bonus. Um, mm-hmm. There it goes. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Deb, what was your final thought? I, it's been it's been a long time since I've read volume three in its entirety. And I think it's just you know, I've like Akira is one of my all time favorites, right? But it's not something I read every year or it's probably been about ten years since I've read this. So a lot of the moments, while they felt familiar, the way that they unfolded, the the pacing, the way he shows action, the the way that the, the mix of humor and seriousness, the pace, you know, the way that he shows destruction. And humanity, like I just appreciate its perfection so much more. It this is probably mm. my favorite volume of the series. Like we've come through in many, many times in manga's playing. Like the first volume, you're lucky if it's perfection, right? You're lucky if it's it's well drawn and it keeps you it keeps you going. But a lot of times, it ends up being the weakest volume because the artist still hasn't found its stri- his stride. Yeah, like mm. storytelling and character drawing and action and stuff like that. Like as we mentioned in volume one and two, like. Oh, are they going down below again? Are they going into the sewer again? You know, 
like there were some repetitive action, you know, action scenes in volume three, it is pure inventiveness. They're on a boat. They're in a mansion. They're on the streets of Tokyo. There are robots. There's like, it's like, it's just a thrill a minute. So I think this is when you, Akira ramps up to a level and from, and you're just like, dude, no wonder everyone loves this. No wonder this is timeless. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, how about you? Well, I guess you kind of gave a final thought already. Yeah, I started with my final thought. I I broke this, I broke the mold for how we do the final thought. (laughs) Wow. Um, I really liked it. And it's, it's nice to hear y'all saying nice things about it too. Cause it was, uh, reading it again today was just like delightful. It was just delightful <laughs> to, it, man, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in art comics where execution and like, uh, being able to draw really pretty is like really secondary to being able to tell a compelling story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's just like, that's kind of how art comics are. And that's fine. But it's nice when you hit a story that is really, really compelling like this. And also it's drawn like <laughs> in just a way that you kind of surprised humans made it like a little bit surprised humans made it. Mm-hmm. And that's really nice. And I did want to go back to something David said, which I think is really relevant to maybe this and, and to, to everything is every version of this uh, story that, that, w- that we have access to is beautiful in a really different way. Right down to the Akira Club pages where you get to see the original pencils and you're like, Oh my God, this is beautiful. And I would love to, I would love to see all of Akira from pencils. You know what yeah. I mean? From like the photo oh stats. I love that the color additions are so gorgeous. Steve Olive is amazing. I love the Kodansha versions for finally showing me what the black and white looked like without the color. Cause that was never available in North America. And just seeing what Adomono's crew had intended was, was really something special. But these new Kodansha hardcover editions, we've got the box set editions that have been rescanned from the originals. Like there was nothing really wrong with the Dark Horse reproduction, but there's everything right with these new hardcovers. Like it is so it's really crisp. crisp. Oh so beautiful. beautiful. Oh. Yeah. Like the yeah, like I said, there was nothing wrong with the Dark Horse editions. They were totally like they're all shot from film. They're all, totally lovely. But the hardcover editions, just comparing panel to panel and page to page, are so nice. So yeah, we're lucky to have Akira. We're lucky to have it the way that we do. And if we keep getting lucky, maybe we'll get that color edition coming soon from MSX. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Please, uh, please don't ask us to do it. Under promise and over deliver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then week two, we're doing Akira. <laughs> no, no. I, th- I, I imagine, you know, I imagine there's some reason that the color editions aren't out in English, even though they're out in a lot of other places in the world. I'm sure people want them to have them, but. It's because I would drop dead of shock and they don't want to have that on their conscience. Yeah, right. <laughs> Couldn't hurt to make a little noise if you want. Yeah. So yeah, this has been episode 20, 50, 51, 51 of Mong Explaining, recording on the day that is our one-year anniversary. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back after the break with something. We haven't figured it out. <laughs> Stay tuned. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
And we're back. Hopefully you had a really nice commercial break. Well, we're going to skip Q&A this week again because the Akira episode ran long as we assumed it would. But we are going to do some quick shout outs. We're going to start with David, who just intimated that he does, in fact, have a shout out for this week. So we're going to make him go first. David, what's your shout out? Intimated. Nice word. Mm, All right. So years ago, I used to live in San Francisco. This was maybe 2008, 2010, pretty close to Kinikiniya Bookstore, the Japanese bookstore in Japantown. And I bought an art book by Katsuya Terada, the manga artist called Rakuga King. It's 512 pages of basically Bible paper, like that super thin see-through paper. And there's sketches, like at least one sketch on every page. Because they're like kind of the warm-up sketches or just random stuff he drew over the course of several years. And I was fairly depressed at the time, but working as a writer. And what I did was I pulled maybe a dozen pages out of this book and wrote short stories based on these sketches, just kind of how they made oh, me wow. feel. And it was a way to like kind of mm. get my feet under me and then like get a consistent writing practice. Wow. And it turns out I found out that this has actually been translated into English under the name Tarada Katsuya Sketch. It costs about 40 bucks. It's on sale now at your you know local bookstore, Japanese bookstore. Probably Barnes & Noble might have it. It's an amazing sketchbook. It's just all drawings. Like if you've ever mm-hmm. looked at a drawing and been like, wow, someone really drew this, this is the sketchbook for you. Huh. Check that out. And there's hardly any like text in it to my memory. It's all drawings. So probably a very easy localization job. Nice. That's a really beautiful book. The publisher that publishes manga that Deb's mentioned a few times before, Last Gasp, actually distributed the Japanese edition of that book hmm. in North America. So we actually had, it was like a permanent stock item for us at the Beguiling. And yeah, whenever you're feeling a little down or a little sad, you go over and you're like, see someone like Tarada, just what he's pumping out in sketches. And it, you know, brightens your day a little yeah. bit. It makes you feel a few things. I do have a small complaint amazing. though. So oh, oh. Rakugaking, Rakugaki is Japanese for like graffiti or sketch or something like that. And Rakuga King mm. is like king of graffiti. Oh. So sketch yeah. is kind of like not as good of a title and there's no pun, mm. but the book yeah. is the important <laughs> part. So get out there, pick it up. Yeah. Translation mm. is an art, not a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Chip? I've got nothing. I now live in the woods and I consume nothing except the trucker rallies, apparently. <laughs> nice. That's shitty, dude. Sorry, but. Welcome to BC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could have trucker rallies here in Toronto, still, except it's also snow 10 feet tall. So <laughs> win some, you lose some. Deb, have you got a shout out for this week? I do. Have you read any good manga? Well, <laughs> always. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just mention the one I just read the other day just because it's, it's so bizarre. It's called The Transcended One-Sided Love of Yoshida the Catch. It's a kind of a weird little romantic comedy about a guy He's in his 20s, and he's, he's smart, he's handsome, he's got a great job, he's totally together. He has one problem. He has this, this hopeless crush on his old friend, who is a, now a very successful shonen manga artist, who is a hot mess. Mm. Uh, she has horrible time management skills. She's a little bit socially clueless. And so he comes in every day after a full day at work, cooks, cooks dinner for her assistance. He keeps her on task. He draws backgrounds for her and helps her meet her deadlines. So it's basically like this comic artist fantasy, right? It's like, we don't want this, you know, prince on a white horse to come sweep us away. We want someone to come in, cook, tell us to go to bed, keep us on task, and fill fill in blacks at the background. <laughs> comic artist fantasy. <laughs> anyway, it's brand, it's brand new. It's coming out from Kodansha maybe mid-March. So if you're looking for a little 
I guess, comic, comic, comic artist wish fulfillment romantic comedy. And you don't mind that the fact that the guy will likely never get the girl. Go check this out. Chris. A little bit of shameless self-promotion. The only manga that I read this week other than Akira and Deadpool Samurai was actually the 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 first couple of chapters of Okinawa have gone up. They're they're ready to go. And the first chapter just went up last week on MSX, mangasplainingxtra.com. It's the manga that we're publishing. And yeah, I was thinking about it in context of the the the, the podcast that we're doing. And it's like, man, people hear us talking about Akira and like fun shonen and seinen manga and that manga in that context is just a real bummer. It's really good. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But whew, that first chapter was like a little rough, but the second chapter is just legitimately heartbreaking, like so, so hard. And it only gets, well, until the last chapter of, of the first book, it only gets harder. So I, I'm really, it's a really important book and I'm really glad we're doing it. And it's just a reminder that yeah, I was talking to Erica Friedman, who e- who emailed this week, who liked the first chapter a lot, but was like, whoa, that was a little, really heavy. And I'm like, I'm a little worried about people getting whiplash going week to week with us, whether we're going to do that. And, the, you know, the, the Matsumoto story that's coming up these days is just like, it's sad, but it's not heartbreaking true stories, sort of. It's it's a different thing. So, And then, yeah, the next couple of books we have are very different in tone when those get announced. So, yeah, it's really good. It's really important stuff. And it talks about Okinawa in a real way that maybe is not part of the discussion. But also, yeah, if you come from the, if you come from listening to our episode on Akira or our dining table or, or whatnot, and then go to that, it's just like, whoa, okay, yeah, I got to maybe going to take a second and breathe and then start reading this week's chapter <laughs> of Okinawa. So that's my advice for you. Definitely check it out, com, but definitely take a second and Get ready for a different experience. Cool. And I think that brings us to the end of this week's episode. It was a long one, but we like talking about Akira. So there you go. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you for listening for a full year. I can't actually believe we've been doing this for a full year. It feels like we've been doing it forever because we, we're, we're pals, but it also feels like it's only been like a, like maybe maybe five or six months of doing this. And then yeah, 51 episodes, 52 episodes. It's kind of crazy. Wow. Um, wild. Yeah, we'll be back next week. We're going to recap everything. It's a lot for David to edit. <laughs> <laughs> up, up and two. It is, yeah. We do this. We try and do a shout out to David every single week in the show notes. But David, if it is not necessarily known, has edited every, audio edited every single episode that we've done manga explaining. And it is, especially when I go on and on like this, and I'm using less ums these days. Thankfully, I'm just going to leave them all in in season three. <laughs> <laughs> it does create a lot of extra work. So I do. We, David, thank you so much for, for editing these episodes. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. One day I'll ask you to publish a manga in exchange for all this editing. So look perfect. That. I'll do the the perfect editions that are just the fight ones that we saw of Hajime no Ippo, but I don't think I can do a hundred volumes, man. Like I quit just the themed fight collections. Don't get people's hopes up, Chris. We're going to get yeah. emails. Yeah, that's true. I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't do I shouldn't say anything or do anything about forthcoming manga releases. It's just going to, just going to make people crazier, but yeah, straight up. We're, we're excited to be, to be working on, on the podcast first and foremost. Among explaining extra and the other stuff that's coming up it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah get ready for season three after a short <laughs> after a short denouement in next week's episode you can't say so much for listening in one episode did i use two denouements <laughs> wow All right, go back and edit that first one out <laughs> thank you david
Oh, you Canadians, <laughs> just showing off your Frenchiness. <laughs> Maybe. This has been Manga Explaining, episode number 51, Akira, volume 3, by Katsuhiro Otomo. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be doing our season wrap-up, talking about all the great books we read over the last 25 weeks. No new reading required. But maybe consider supporting your local comic and manga specialty shop anyway. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com, or check out your local library for print and digital lending options. You can also follow along with our complete reading list and show notes at mangasplaining.com, and don't forget to check out our newsletter and new publishing endeavor at mangasplainingextra.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.